At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. The following podcast is a production of the Factual Data Creations Facility. Hello and welcome to another episode of the OFNT podcast, episode 154, which I'm calling Unsocial Media. All right, some tech news. Apple's virtual reality goggles are said to have been delayed until June of this year. Supposedly, they were to be announced during the annual Worldwide Developers Conference, better known as WWDC, this April. The reason given is to allow the VR set to have its own event, which will give developers more time to write software for it, I guess. I have zero interest in this product. I just can't see myself having the time to strap on something like this even with me being retired. I'd much rather lift weights or ride my indoor cycle. Do you have an interest in this sort of technology? No. According to a report from Wired magazine, the popular messaging app Telegram appears to be compromised, well, at least in Russia. The article told the tale of a Russian anti-war activist who applied for a permit for holding an anti-war rally and was visited by the state security forces the very next day. She didn't answer the door to her apartment fearing arrest and was using Telegram during this encounter to let her friends know what was happening. She had thought that if she kept quiet, they wouldn't know she was at home. Well, she thought wrong. The authorities broke down her door and brought her to their headquarters. While being interviewed, she was told that they knew she was home because they saw she was communicating via Telegram. The official bragged to her that they were monitoring all her activity while using that app. What's concerning here is that the authorities seem to be monitoring the activity in real time, meaning that the Russian authorities didn't have to file a request for data and once received was just combing through it. At first she had thought that somehow the authorities had planted malware on her phone, like the Pegasus tool from Israel-based NSO Group. But soon something like that isn't cheap and wouldn't be used against such a low-level target like the subject of this article. The only other, well, according to the article, least theory, is that Telegram is complying with Russian laws and is not just handing over data from the app to state security, but allowing them to monitor all communications occurring using Telegram. Telegram was created in Russia by Mr. Durov and has become one of the largest social media platforms in the world, with some 700 million active users. Mr. Durov moved the headquarters out of Russia to Dubai, after supposedly refusing to comply with the new Russian security laws, which would have required the company to hand over data to the state security upon request and have a representative permanently located at the company's data centers. Telegram states that communications using the app are end-to-end encrypted. That is, if you set up a so-called secret chat, 
meaning that non-secret chat messages are transmitted in the clear, able to be read by hackers, governments, and other nefarious entities. It wasn't made clear in the article what mode the subject was using. I think many Telegram users probably think that all their communications are encrypted, thanks to the vague description of the app the company gives. And even when using the encrypted secret chats, no one knows how good that encryption really is. Why? Because Telegram has never subjected their encryption method for third-party review, which most secure communications apps do, like the popular Signal Messenger, for example. I used Telegram in the past, along with most of my family, but don't use it any longer. I think my son still uses it, though. I feel that all communication apps are able to be monitored, whether encrypted or not. At the very least, the data can be obtained by the government according to local laws. If I were in need of a secure communications app, I'd use the app Threema, which is headquartered in Switzerland, and the data Threema generates is stored there. Threema is a paid app, so it's not as popular as its free competitors. It's supposed to be so secure that the Swiss Army uses it. Then again, if that's the case, then the Swiss government most likely has access to the data of Threema. It would just be harder for your government to gain access to said data. To sum up, I'm of the opinion that there are really no completely secure communications apps out there. What do you think? Due to the possibility of the country of Canada adopting a law that would require tech companies to financially compensate news sources for their stories, Google ran a test where it blocked what would be, under the proposed law, affected news sites to some Canadian users of Google. While the results weren't disclosed, I'm sure these users were probably disappointed. Facebook would also be heavily affected by this law, but I'm unaware if they ran similar tests. The bottom line here is that big tech companies like Google and Facebook are just not going to pay these charges. They would just not carry those sources. Australia has passed a law similar to the Canadian proposed law, and the U.S. recently tried but failed to pass one just like it. In the U.S.'s case, the law would have forced the big tech companies to form a so-called partnership with the major news organizations. This would have allowed these new partnerships to shape the news narrative even more than the legacy media in this country does now. The Communist Party of China has managed to shut down the Chairman Z satire channel, Ruder Jia of Fanqi. Hope I pronounced that right? Most likely not. They used YouTube's own rules to do it. It seems the channel was using copyrighted music, which gave the Communist Chinese Authority the in they needed to get YouTube to take action. Hopefully the channel will correct this and be back up quickly. This serves as a warning that entities from all governments are watching you and will take action when they can. And to think, everybody wants to move their podcast over to that platform because of... Do so at your own peril is what I advise. Tech I'm using. Lately, my iPhone 13, poor man's edition, battery life has been horrendous. For the life of me, I couldn't figure out what was causing this sudden condition. In the past, I could easily get a full day of battery life. And that's with heavy usage. Currently, I'm lucky to get half of that. I've had a couple of recent iOS updates, so I blame those, but then I remembered my lovely wife having to charge her iPhone 13 Poor Woman's Edition multiple times per day. I wrote that off to her using the phone more than I use mine. 
mostly communicating with relatives back in her country of origin. To communicate with those relatives, she uses Facebook Messenger. Well, my wife is currently visiting overseas, and to allow me to easily communicate with her while she's over there, I download and use, well, you probably guessed by now, Facebook Messenger. This common denominator is what's sucking up the juice of my phone's battery, regardless of how often I use it. Well, I can't wait until she returns so I can delete this battery vampire app from my beloved phone. Tired of mic plosives while using my Zoom H1N recorder, I decided to plunk down the sum of $10 and buy a windscreen for it. Actually, two types came for that price. One is the standard black foam type, and the other is of the gray hairy cat variety you see news organizations equip their microphones with, especially during windy conditions. I've tested both, and they do their job, eliminating most plosives and wind noise while recording. Well worth the pittance I paid for them. Speaking of Zoom recorders, a month or two ago, they released the M2 and M4 microphones. Basically, they're an upgraded H1N with a much better microphone, which features the new, well, I don't know if it's new, but 32-bit floating recording, which won't allow you to clip your audio, along with being able to record in 192K resolution, and that's up from the standard 48K. In theory, these features should result in a much better audio recording. The M2 became my shiny new bobble, and I quickly added it to my Amazon wish list. I imagined the M2 would enable me to record a podcast anywhere I happen to be, freeing me from being chained to my home audio setup until editing time, at least. Why wasn't this recorder taking the podcast world by storm, and why haven't I heard about this thing before, I wondered to myself. I then started watching reviews of the M2 on YouTube. Well, not just some, but all reviews I watched gave the M2 the thumbs down, citing poor electronic interference shielding, which resulted in the M2, and I would guess the upgraded M4, picking up wine of all electronic devices within the unit's vicinity and passing that sound down to the recordings made using it. Not good for the $200 price tag. I've since deleted the M2 from my Amazon wish list. Zoom will probably fix this issue in later models, but until then, the product is a non-starter for serious audio recordings. This also goes to show you that you shouldn't buy the first generation of any tech product, no matter how shiny a bobble it seems to be. I think I've already told you that I was on the waiting list to use ChatGPT. I received an email last week which notified me that I was now authorized to use the AI. Well, I still haven't gotten around to checking it out, but when I do, I'll let you know how it goes. That is, if I actually get around to using it. Entertainment news. Well, not much going on in the entertainment space as Hollyweird gears up for the spring and summer movie season. The industry is coming off its worst year in decades, and I have little hope in a recovery this year. I predict Disney will continue to falter at the box office because, in my opinion, moviegoers are tired of superhero movies, poorly written Star Wars movies, and live-action versions of their classic cartoons. Concerning the latter, the race-swapping of beloved characters and the insertion of non-traditional values into every movie they produce will only contribute to falling audience numbers, thus falling revenues. The other once-great movie studios seem to have fallen into the same situation. I believe most people go to watch movies in order to forget the harshness of their current situations, especially in these trying times, and just be entertained for 90 minutes or so. 
They don't want to be lectured or taught some sort of lesson. At least I don't. Will the industry realize this before it's too late? Well, you know what I say. Time will tell. The newly merged Warner Brothers Discovery conglomerate has reported a quarterly loss of $2.1 billion, would it be, dollars, despite scoring some hits on the company's streaming services, especially HBO Max. The lessons of my previous statement apply here. I dropped HBO Max along with Netflix during my retirement pruning because there wasn't much to watch on those expensive services that would justify me keeping them. And to tell you the truth, you know, I really don't miss them that much. Disgraced Hollywood producer and founder of Miramax, Harvey Weinstein, had 16 more years tacked onto his previous 23-year sentence after being found guilty in his latest trial in Los Angeles. This just about guarantees the man will spend the rest of his life in prison. I guess this signals the end of the infamous casting couch era of the movie industry. Lord knows what it's being replaced with. Well, it's time for a break. You might or might not hear an ad during this little break I'm taking. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the super light tree runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the super light tree runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a super light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Podcast news. For my podcasting needs, I use Hindenburg as my digital audio workstation for recording and editing. Hindenburg was created for journalists so they can record, edit, and file their audio reports quickly. Other digital audio workstations were made for recording music, and the user interface is set up for that. Unless you have experience recording music, the learning curve is very steep. I've tried using a couple of these DAWs, as they call them, and found myself confused and overwhelmed by the multitudes of options they are equipped with. I've been very happy with Hindenburg. You know, just the amount of time saved recording and editing is well worth the price. Hindenburg version 2 is soon to be released in beta, and I've signed up for it. While watching a playback of the reveal on YouTube, the first obvious change is that the different tracks are color-coded. Then a transcript feature was shown, which enables you to edit out audio using the transcript by deleting the word or words. It wasn't clear if you could insert words with the corresponding audio being added, a la the script. The place where you can 
Store sound clips and other things has been improved. You are now able to store more entries than before and are able to collapse it all. Also included with Hindenburg is a sound library, which is very cool. This might save people from having to scour the internet looking for that certain sound. Especially me. <laughs> Audio enhancing plugins are also going to be included. A deesser and voice click remover, for example. The new version will also allow you to edit video, a big departure for the company. This version of Hindenburg is shaping up to become a one-stop podcasting and so-called creator shop. My only concern is what the price will be. The original Hindenburg is expensive, well over $100. Well, that's sure expensive to me anyway. I'm predicting this version will come in at around $200. Hopefully the company will offer some sort of loyalty discount for us that have bought the original version. I won't get my hopes up on that, though. I'll let you know how the beta goes once it's released and I can put it through its paces. Stay tuned. As I alluded to earlier, my lovely wife is back in the Philippines visiting family, so what's an old fart like myself to do? Well, watch a lot of YouTube, of course. I've been getting into a lot of podcasts that are on the platform, podcasts I usually would have little to no interest in, like Red Bar and others like that. These podcasts are usually commenting on other podcasts hosted by comedic celebrities and other usually social media stuff. The host of Red Bar pointed out something interesting, though. A lot of these comedic celebrity hosted shows seem to be put together by the same outfit who've somehow figured out a money making formula. The common features of these shows are they always, and I mean always, use Sure SM7B microphones. The sets are simple, if not ugly. The video aspects of these shows are good, but not great, and there are only appears to be one camera angle in most cases, and that's a straight-on view of the hosts. Speaking of the hosts, they are usually either mid-tier comedians or once-famous comedians whose careers are somewhat in decline. The host of Red Bar pointed out that these shows always launch with 20,000 subscribers, as if they were just built into the show. A thing I noticed is that the hosts and guests of these shake and bake podcasts are usually seen with a can of Liquid Death branded water in their immediate vicinity, in a place where the product's label is prominently displayed for the camera. The Red Bar host also conjectures that these so-called studios probably host multiple podcasts with one set per each corner of the room they are located in, serviced by just one camera and soundboard. The hosts are probably paid by ad revenue sharing. I think he's right. All of these sets do appear to be set up in a corner furnished with things you could purchase at an Ikea. I also think it's a brilliant idea. I wish I would have thought of this and had the money to implement it. Google-owned YouTube has finally made their expected move into podcasting. Podcasts will now be part of YouTube Music with the ability to publish audio-only shows to the app by the good old RSS feed standard. Well, eventually, anyway. This seems more aimed at Spotify than Apple Podcasts, as video podcasts will be supported right at launch. The problem with Google is the company seems to lose interest in certain things they launch and drop them after a while. Google Waves, Allo, and Hangouts come to mind. I guess we should just sit back and try and figure out if Google is into the podcast world for the long run. It's the return of the rant. Uh, don't worry, it's 
not political, well, at least not too much. Anyway, besides the well-known issues with social media, you know, the trolls and what seems like the domination of extreme political views, you know, it just, just doesn't make you feel good. At least, that's the effect it has on me. Take Twitter, for example. Now, I'm not a big user of the platform. Well, early on I was, but that was a different era when news organizations just reported the news and it was still possible to have a civil discourse on a number of issues. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I began sort of using Twitter again. Now, I didn't engage. I just scrolled through my sparse timeline. After a few days of this, I realized what I was consuming made me angry and upset. I was fed countless videos of crimes or content reposted from that sick and depraved service, TikTok, and it disturbed me. It seemed that the world was falling apart. Then I realized that, you know, this isn't real life. Most of the habitual posters to these services are either attention-seeking, agenda-driven, or just idiots living in some basement with no life of their own other than these social media platforms. They're miserable, so why shouldn't you be along with them? Even YouTube has their share of these types in the comment sections. So for the sake of my sanity, I now just post links to my podcast. If a listener engages me with regards to that, I'll return the favor. Other than that, I'm out. Again, social media platforms are not real life. You can never be satisfied using them, so I won't be using them the way their ownership wants you to use them. If more people felt the same way, the country and maybe the world would become a better place. Why? Because not a lot of people would have the cojones to make the statements they make on social media to another person's face. You know, it's easy to be a tough guy or gal when you make threats or insult someone from the safety of anonymity in a probably dark basement using a phone or computer your mom bought you for your birthday. Well, the music is playing which means I'm on my way out of here. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed making it for you. If you like what you heard, hey, you can make a donation using the link in the show notes. Any and all donations will be appreciated. You can always reach me at OFNTpodcast at gmail.com if you're so inclined. I'd enjoy hearing from you. Remember, don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. Now, why don't you get off my lawn? I'm out. Stay skeptical. See you next week. Take care. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.